You know, there's just so much life in him. And I pray today, if, if that's not your reality, I pray it will be. And I just want to say this because I want to give you hope that there is so much life in Christ. Like, it's so abundantly rich. And it never runs dry. And there's absolutely no lack. Because he's not the God of lack, is he? He's the God of abundance. He's the God of the overflow. He's the God of much. It says, how much more? You see, there is a how much more life to know in you. In you. And Jesus died that we would know this how much more. And then we would live from this how much more. And yet there's this wrestle for it, isn't there? There is this contending with God. There is a wrestling for something that's in Christ and he's just blowing me out of the water. You know, I, I, I said this word at the start of the year. He said to me, Greg, I'm going to accelerate my life in you and I'm going to accelerate revelation after revelation. And I just can't contain, it's like, can you slow down? It's like the pen can't move quick enough to try and keep up with this. He says, no, no, there's a capacity in you that's great because it's me. You can handle this. You can handle that, 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 and write it down because you're not trusting in yourself. You're trusting in me. And, you know, it, it's so simple. It's two words in Christ. It's so simple. 613 laws, and I'm going to reduce it to two words, in Christ. Outside of Christ, nothing. In Christ, life. But not any life, an abundance of life. Wow. In Christ. He says, if you want to know this life, then seek me with all you are and have, and you will find life in me. And I'm going to speak from this place in this area of giving today. And we don't uh, make any excuses for preaching on giving, because Jesus didn't. And we hardly talk on giving here, do we? You're part of our family. I can't remember the last time I actually spoke about giving. We say throw the buckets around and, you know, do that sort of stuff. But we've never, for oh, probably years. You know why? Do you know why? Because we trust. We've missed so many offerings when the bucket goes around because the Lord is leading the service. It was, oh, we didn't do the offering. So who cares? Who's building this place? Who are we trusting in? You know, you've been given this today, yes? Which is a reference for something of just what's happening here and people's giving. And we give it to you because we're family so you can understand and track and know where we 
are moving as a family. And I'm going to talk a little bit about this, but not really. <laughs> um, and I just hope you hear the heart, because I want to talk about giving in the context of family. Because that's the context that giving really is. It's about family. We're not giving to a mission. We're not giving to an organization. We're not giving to a business. We're not giving to... Anyway, we're giving because we're family. And family takes care of itself, don't we? You know, in your natural family, you take care of one another. Yeah? There's a need, you meet it. If there's school fees to pay, you pay them. If there's kids that need braces, you pay it. You, you find the money somehow to cover the needs of the family. Would that be right? You need clothing, you need food, so we go to work. So family, we, we, we give to the family and we give finances, we lay our lives down, we, we do the things we do because we're family. You know, I think that's a, a, a lost truth in the church today. I think there's so much institutionalized thinking in our hearts and our minds, rather than family. And when I talk about family, I'm talking about spiritual family and physical family because really they want to be, God wants them to be the same thing, doesn't it? God wants my children and my wife spiritual family, not just physical family. And spiritual family defines physical family. You found that? Jesus said, it's those that do the will of my Father that are my family. That's interesting, isn't it? It's not just because you say you're a follower. It's you do the will. And giving is connected to the will of the Father. So the giving of our finances is all part of the will of God to supply to the family. When there's a lack, the need gets met. You read these crazy people called the church. And the Bible says there wasn't a need that was there. Why? Because the church looked after itself. It took care of itself. Do you know that is such a, an example and a demonstration to a world? Man, you guys really look after one another. You love one another. You make sure there's no need. And if there is, you meet it. And then when one doesn't have the need to meet it, someone else is meeting it. And when that person doesn't have it, someone else is meeting it. And there just seems to be this incredible overflow in you and through you. Why? Because you understand your family. You see, these people understood they were family. Why? Because they knew love. See, so often we try and copy the outcomes of acts and we never get it. Why? Because we don't have the heart of acts. We just look for the outcome, right? I've got to do that. And it blows up after about two months. Why? Because we don't have the heart of the people of Acts. So we need to come into the love, the heart, and then giving just becomes a natural, innate nature. Why? Because it's the nature of heaven, isn't it? See, if you know love, you have the nature of heaven, it becomes innate. Because Jesus didn't think about laying his life down, he laid it down. Those people didn't think, they just gave. And it challenges our humanity, man. It challenges our flesh. Let's be honest, doesn't it? Challenges my flesh. It challenges who's really Lord of my life. Because this is a lordship issue. It's not a savior issue. It's a lordship one. Yeah, we, Jesus, I love you because you saved me. Amazing. Awesome. Then he says, right, now we're going to get on to lordship. That was step number one. This is step number two that brings abundant life. Oh, I don't know if I love you that much, so I think I'll just keep it in my pocket. 
We are the best at doing it, man. Let's be honest. We all do it, you know. And God wants to bring us into this incredible freedom through this act of giving. And I'm going to talk about money, but at the same time, I'm talking about time. I'm talking about giftings. I'm talking about laying everything down, the generous spirit of a person. Well, it's just money is one aspect of, but it tends to be the thing that binds people the most. You know, I'll serve with my gift, but oh, not that. And it's not even our money. The seed that you get is not yours. And we're going to look at that, a young boy out of John 6, who got given a seed, but he knew it wasn't his, so he gave it. It's phenomenal. And so let's go to John 6. I'm going to read all this, and then we're going to rip it apart. And we're pretty much just going to camp in John 6. So John 6, verses 1 And it's all about the feeding of the 5,000, but it's way more than that. And we've taught the way more than that, so I'm not going to go into that today. After these things, Jesus went away to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, or Tiberias. A large crowd followed him because they saw the signs which he was performing on those who were sick. Then Jesus went up on the mountain, and there he sat down with his disciples now the Passover, the feast of the Jews, was near. Therefore, Jesus, lifting up his eyes and seeing that a large crowd was coming to him, said to Philip, Where are we to buy bread so that these may eat? This he was saying to test him, for he himself knew what he was intending to do. Philip answered him, Two hundred denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them, for everyone to receive a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There is a lad here who has five barley loaves and two fish. But what are these for so many people? So much happening here that we're going to unpack. Jesus said, Have the people sit down. Now there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down in number about 5,000. Jesus then took the loaves, and having given thanks, he distributed to those who were seated, Likewise, also of the fish, as much as they wanted. Can you hear the two different approaches to the issue? Uh, when they were filled, he said to his disciples, gather up the leftovers. Gee, I thought there wasn't enough. Now there's leftovers. So that nothing will be lost. So they gathered them up and filled 12 baskets with fragments from which the five barley loaves, which they were left over by those who had eaten. Therefore, when the people saw the sign which he had performed, they said, this is truly the prophet who is to come into the world. Now let's just rip this apart. So again, let's go back to verses 1 and 2, specifically 2. After these things, Jesus went away to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. A large crowd followed him because they saw the signs which he was performing on those who were sick. I want to ask us why we follow Christ as a starting question. Why 
do you follow Christ? Because the reason why you follow is going to determine whether you'll engage in this area of giving. So why are you following him? These people followed him, and it was a large crowd followed him. Why? Because they saw signs and wonders. They were captivated by the signs and the wonders that he was doing. That got their attention. It's good. Jesus did the works so people could see the demonstration of God. He said, if you don't believe what I say, look at the works that I do. But is that why we follow God for signs and wonders? Only. Are you a signs and wonder junkie? They're out there. We have conferences. It's the healings for all the junkies about healing. and It's not wrong. But there's more. There's way more. But we can get entangled and follow him because of the signs and the wonders. He said, there was a guy called Simon the Sorcerer. And Simon the Sorcerer, he got saved. And he got baptized. You know the story? And then what did he do? He tried to buy the Holy Spirit. How do I pay for that so I can also do signs and wonders? You see, because he was a man of great power. He operated from a demonic aspect, and he wanted to get involved in this, and he believed and was baptized. (laughs) Gee, that's a bit of an issue, isn't it? And what did Peter say? You are full of iniquity, and I pray that you would find repentance right now. You see, there's a danger in following Jesus just for signs and wonders, but there's nothing wrong with signs and wonders. And what's interesting, as you track through this in verse 26, the same people Jesus says to them, you no longer follow me because of the signs and wonders, you follow me because you had your feed. So now there's this transition of signs and wonders they were following, and now they're following because they've had something to eat. You see, Jesus can meet your spiritual need, and he meets your physical need, but why are you following him? He's asking this question because, once again, it's going to determine whether you'll actually give. Yeah, I follow you because of that, but this area, oof, or that area, oof, or serving, oof, or praying, oof, but I'm here for the signs and the wonders. Now, it's right, but it's only half the story. And um, I had the privilege of getting a phone call on Friday just after me and Mel had met. And the phone rang while we were meeting and I didn't pick it up. And I picked it up later and it's this voicemail. And before Christmas, I got a phone call from a good buddy of mine in Auckland who asked me if I'd meet up with someone who was an ex-workmate of his, an ex-client, who... Mother had passed away but was looking at Jehovah's Witness. He'd been with the Jehovah's Witnesses for two years and my friend would be, has been sharing Christ with him. He said, would you meet with him and have a chat? Because um, he's sort of in this place where he's seeking and he's got some answers but he's you know, part of a Jehovah's Witness faith. I said, I'd love to meet him. So I met up with Columbus Cafe in Newtown and met him and he brought along his son who was about my height and... Uh, <laughs> 
<laughs> no, it was, it was all good. It wasn't bad. <laughs> he um, was a basketball player, and he had his hand in a big, um, not a bandage, but like a, um, and it wasn't a cast, but you know, like a, a splinty sort of a thing, you know. And I said, oh, what's happened to your hand? He said, oh, I smashed my wrist up here really badly, and I'm going to need an operation. And I'm like, okay. So we got talking, and um, I was sharing about faith in Christ, and, and I gave him a couple of resources to read uh, Lee Strobel's The Case for Christ, and I was there for about an hour with him. I just felt the Holy Spirit say to me, pray for his son's hand. Right in the middle of Columbus Cafe. <laughs> I said, awesome. I said, can I pray for your hand? He said, I'd love you to. His dad started to cry. And I just put my hand on his hand and I said, Father, I can't remember the boy's name because it was a beautiful name, but it was one of those long names. It wasn't like Sam. It was sort of like... (laughs) I mean, that was the first thing that came to my mind. It was like... It's like Cambodia. You go there and it's like, what's your name? They go, you know, and you go, can you say that again? And then it's like... Hey, Greg. And you're like, man, you think you can remember after five minutes? No. Nah. Anyway, so I just put my hand on and I said, Father, you love this boy. And you see his situation. And I just believe for healing. And I, I pray for the releasing power of Jesus into his hand right now in Jesus' name. Done. That was it. He said, he, he then, I said, how's it feel? He said, yeah, it's okay. And anyway, we had the coffee. We left and Aaron, who was the dad, said, look, I'll, I'll, I'll come to The Rock next week. And he didn't come. And well, that's cool, you know. So I just gave him a quick text and said, hey, mate, how's it all going? Just want to make sure everything's okay. And Yeah, and no, I'll be good. I'll, I'll, I'll get there this week. And, and he didn't come. So I've just stayed loosely in touch because I didn't want to pressure him. Anyway, I hadn't heard. That was before Christmas. I hadn't heard anything. And I just thought, you know, I'll leave that alone. The phone goes on Friday. He says, I, um, I want to share what happened. I said, what happened? He said, well, he said, my son uh, went to have the operation. And so when we prayed, the operation was like three days after we prayed, three or four days. And we went into the operation and we said beforehand, we said to the surgeons, can we actually x-ray it first because we've had prayer? He's like, nah, it's munted, man. It needs pins. We're getting into it right now. We're not wasting any more time. So they said, okay. So they go to have the operation. They open the hand up and it's healed. And that is awesome, isn't it? And I, when I heard it on the voicemail, I just felt the presence come in the car, and I just thanked God, and I said, Lord, that's incredible. You're so incredible. And when we step out, when we hear your voice, you back us up. And even if we look like fools, Father, when we hear you and obey, things happen. Okay? And then it was like, right, move on. There's more to know you, to be in Christ. And I reckon that's what Jesus was. So what we tend to do is we tend to sit and base a whole camp around a work instead of the one of the work. And we get engrossed here. It's like when me and Mike Huey have had these conversations for ages about, you know, Peter, James and John, and they want to pitch a tent. And they want to stop and pitch a tent and settle. And like, what are you doing? And I love what it says. It says, while Peter was talking, God spoke. <laughs> it was like, shut up. You know, I've had enough of you. While he was blah, 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 God spoke. Listen to the boy 
not Peter. You know? But we can tend to these things and set up ministries and we stop and God's going, there's way more. This is just an outworking of me, but there's more life in me. And this is what I want to look at here because once again, it's like we can celebrate those things. But when it comes to this area, which is a deeper area of actually releasing things, especially money. Ooh, ooh, yeah, something else going on within here. There seems to be a wrestle going on. And I faced this in my early years as a follower. I didn't understand it. I had not been brought up with any Christianity. You've got to understand nada, nothing, zero. And then they start talking about money and you're like, ooh. Oh, yeah, that's right. All they want is your money. Isn't that right? Yeah. Yeah, he does. <laughs> <laughs> why? To free you from you. That's why he wants all your money. Because he knows our hearts get attached to it. Where your treasure is, there the heart is. He wants you wholeheartedly healed, wholeheartedly abandoned. He doesn't want anything holding you because he has freedom for us to find. But this is an area, you know, oh, I'll serve, I'll do this. But don't touch that one. Well, we're going to touch it. We'll see what manifests. <laughs> clean up the, clean it up. I got the spray and wipe here. <laughs> All right, so just relax. Listen to the words of Jesus. This is Acts twenty thirty five. It is more blessed to give than to receive. What do you think he knows that we might not know? Do you think he knows something about us that we don't? So he tells us, guys, it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. Nothing wrong with receiving, but it's more blessed to give. There's something about the releasing of giving that does something, a work within us. It frees us. And actually, when you, I found, I'm so free in this area that you flow. It's almost like you actually get a bit of a, a rush. Do you know, it's like you actually start looking for ways to give. Have you ever found that? Yeah. You're walking along, I'm paying people's parking. I love doing it. Happened just the other day with these Argentinian guys, you know, they couldn't figure out how the meter worked. And they're like pressing the buttons and you can see them, they're looking at it and I go, you know, Paul, I say, oh, do you need a hand? Yeah, we can't figure out this thing. I say, oh, where are you from? Argentina. Oh, you follow the round ball? Yeah, yeah, I can help you now. <laughs> <laughs> if it mean rugby, I'll oh, see you later. Yeah. <laughs> you're a Messi fan, what are you, you know, Aguero, you know. Anyway, it's just like, so they say, how do I do it? So you just grab the phone out, text, and they're like, oh, what are you doing? This is how you do it, show them how to do it, there's your ticket. And they're like, what? I said, there's your ticket, have a fun day. And the guy actually gave me, five, I said, nah, man. Oh, oh. And it's more blessed to give. Once you found this aspect of Christ in you, it releases things, yeah? And um, let's have a look at verse 5 and 6. So we've looked at why, why, why do we follow? Why, do we, why are we following him? And I'd ask you to continue to ask that question. Is it because you love him? Is it because you get from him? Once again, God meets us where we're at, doesn't he? So he meets us in our immaturity. 
He meets us in that place. It's like I meet my children in their place of immaturity. But I don't want to keep them there. I want to raise them. I want to take them by the hand and say, come on, I'm looking at little Mia Bella this morning, you know. And she's crawling. And, and she's obviously moving from just being in a little buggy. And now she's crawling. And, and so there's going to be this, grab my fingers, sweetheart, and let's walk together. So God wants to take us from a state of immaturity, because we're all immature when we meet him, spiritually immature, depending on the revelation we've had. And he says, come on, let's grow up. And I want to grow you in every area so you can be the manifold demonstration of me in every area. And there would never be lack because I'm not the God of lack. You tracking? All right, so why we follow him determines so much in our lives. Let's just go to verse 5 and 6. I love this part. Therefore, Jesus lifting up his eyes and seeing a large crowd. You know, when you look out, what do you see? When you look at your own life, what do you see? Do you see possibilities in Christ or do you just see you? Do you see the burdens and the issues of life or do you see the possibilities in Christ? Do you see the multiple need coming? You know, there's a large crowd. There's 5,000 men alone, never mind women and children, and they're coming. And Jesus looks out and he sees. The Bible says, and Paul prayed, I pray the eyes of your heart would see as Jesus sees. Jesus knows, the Bible says, exactly what he's going to do right now when he sees the need. He sees the masses coming. So often we can see the mass need and be made to feel quite small. And we go, that's too big. What's the point? Yeah? You know, there's so much need in Cambodia. We'll never meet the need. But that's not the point. There's so much need in the world, and we'll never meet all the need, but that's not the point. The point is you can meet some of the need through God. And so often, you know what this is really all about? Us and our transformation. Because ultimately, God can click a finger and make all the need go away, can't he? He is that powerful. If he sneezes and planets come into being, he can fix the need. So what's it really about if it's not about meeting the need? It's about your and my transformation. And he uses this physical need to do a work. But he's so good, he can meet both. Because he's unlimited. So Jesus is looking and he sees this large crowd come to him, and then he says to Philip, I love this, hey, Philip, Ooh, can you imagine Philip? Here comes a question. <laughs> He's always asking us questions. Hey, Stu, he's always asking me these big questions. What are you laughing at, Greg? <laughs> Where are we to buy bread so that these may eat? Put yourself in Philip's shoes, hey? There's 5,000 men coming towards you, women and children. Hey, bro, see that? There's a lot of people, eh? Yeah. Where are you going to buy bread for that? Ooh. Ooh. Yeah, someone else? No, I'm asking you. 
I'm asking you. See, I want everyone involved in this. Can't you ask someone else? No, no, I'm asking you, Philip. It's an object lesson for you, son. Where are we going to buy bread to meet this need? Philip, what does he say? Sorry, verse 6. This he was saying to test him, for he himself knew what he was intending to do. That's good, isn't it? Isn't it good to know that he's in control? In the enormity of the need, in the enormity of life, God is in control. That's the position God wants us to live from. It's called rest in Christ. No matter what you go through, I got it. You're in me, and you let me and allow me, I got it. If you try and figure this all out on your own, you're going to go another way, and I won't have it. Because you're trying to have it and own it. But if you choose with me and come with me, I got this. But at the same time, I'm wanting to bring you, Philip, into my reality. See, God invites us into his reality. Why does he do that? Because he's what he's trying to build. So he gives us the opportunity to enter into with him, not without him, with him. He's still in charge. He's still in control. He's the one building. He's the one ahead. It's his strength. But you're invited to partake with him. What an invitation. So what are we going to do, Philip? I know what I'm going to do. What are you going to do? Because I'm testing you. He's testing you today. Isn't he? Why does God test us? For our benefit? Does he do anything to harm you? Does he discipline you? For the benefit of you. Correct? So I discipline my children for the benefit of my children. At times, my children don't appreciate the benefit. You found that? Have you found you don't appreciate the Lord's discipline? But have you found if you surrender to it, lordship, it actually performs a work, and then you go, I'm so thankful you disciplined me because now I'm in the life of the discipline, not just for this life, but the life to come, Timothy says. So the Lord's discipline is for now and the future. But if I resist the discipline of the Lord, then I resist coming into the life that the Lord has for me, so I'm the only one missing out. And God does not want anyone missing out because if I miss out, you miss out. See, we're so interconnected. I did that to, as a physical demonstration, how interconnected. If I'm not giving, you're missing out. If you're not giving, I'm missing out. See, we don't tend to think like this because we have an individualistic culture which lives within us called our flesh, and we think, no, no, no one's suffering if I don't turn up. It doesn't really matter. It does. It really does because you're important. You're not random. You were called and chosen for a purpose like we all were. So if you're not present, then everyone's missing out. God's missing out. The world's missing out. The church is missing out because we're not here. That's how intentional he is. You see, there is a life to discover, man. And it's a battle, isn't it, of the wills. 
And this is where the lordship aspect comes in. But it can sound so heavy, lordship, kingship. And you can look at it like that, he's the lord, or you can look at it like, he's the lord. He's my father. And my father only does things for my good. So he says, son, if you want life, you've got to lose it. And it's for your good. So we find this situation here where there's all these people coming. He says, I'm going to test you right now. And what is Philip? Philip says, 200 denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them, for everyone to receive a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, there is a lad here who has five barley loaves and two fish. But what are these for so many people? Right here, you're seeing the difference between eyes and the spirit, knowing the kingdom that Jesus is from, and eyes of the flesh, and the kingdom of the world that the disciples are operating under. You've got two completely different realities taking place, and they are right beside each other. This is the dynamics of the kingdom of God and the kingdom of the world. They operate right beside each other. So two men, the disciples, say, Ooh, look at the need. 200 denarii wouldn't, of money wouldn't be enough to buy the bread. I had a look, and it's around $14,000. There's all these people who wouldn't have enough money to feed all these people. The other guy, Andrew, says, well, we've got these fish and these, uh, these loaves, but they're certainly not enough to feed the multitude that are right here. But Jesus knows what he's going to do. Why? Because he knows the kingdom he's from. He knows the one of the kingdom. He knows his dad. He knows how capable his dad is. He doesn't know the other realm meaning he knows it, but he doesn't know it, if you know what I mean. He's never lived from lack. He doesn't look at that and panic. He doesn't look at that and worry. He goes, oh, you mean the wind and the waves? Be still. You know? Don't you care for us? Oh, don't you care? You told you I loved you. See, I love you, that's why I'm sleeping, because I'm giving you another opportunity to enter into the kingdom of God. I'm giving you another opportunity. Because if I do everything for you, you will never grow up. You will stay as a little child. So I don't want to do everything for you, but I will lead you by the hand because I'm looking for a mature church because it's a mature church that the world look at and see me. Are we tracking? So he's giving them the opportunity to enter in, but see, their mindset is we don't have enough. And so often we can have that mindset. And so we live from that mindset. It's so lucky Jesus is there, isn't it? Because I reckon if he's not there, they're probably running off, having a whip round. How much you got? I'm not giving. <laughs> well, this is for me, bro. No, no, we, we, we've got to make that. No, 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 no. I know there's all that need, but no, no, I'm looking after me. Why? Because I've got needs. I've got my own needs. Never mind anyone else's need. I've got my own. What about my needs? No, it's more blessed to give. Remember, that's what he said. 
It's more blessed to give than to try and look after yourself. Oh, yeah, Annie. Listen to these words. Have the people sit down. While they're going, we don't have enough. While they're going, we've got a little bit, but that's going to be enough. What did you say? Have the people sit down. I got this. Why? Because I know where I'm from. I know my dad really well. So, let's go to verse 7 and 9. Uh, just read that. Let's go to 10. Yes, he let the people sit down. Now, there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down in number about 5,000. Jesus then took the loaves, and having given thanks, he distributed to those who were seated. Likewise also of the fish, as much as they wanted. When they were filled, he said to his disciples, gather up the leftover fragments so that nothing will be lost. So they gathered them up and filled 12 baskets with fragments from the five barley loaves which were left over by those who had eaten. Therefore, when the people saw the sign which he had performed, they said, truly this is a greater prophet. The young boy had some seed, didn't he? Where does the fish and the bread really come from? So everything comes from God, correct? Every ability you have comes from Him. The ability to have a job comes from Him. You don't exist unless He gives you and creates you. Why do we hold on to stuff which is really not ours when we didn't exist before God? And then why do we turn around and tell God, no, it's mine, when the only reason I'm here is because of God? Isn't that the height of arrogance and pride? To turn around and say, I'm going to tell you how this is going to work. But I don't exist unless he dreams me up. I find that hilarious, that we live like that. It's incredibly sad, actually. He says, as soon as you take the eyes off the creator and put it on the creation, you have all sorts of trouble on the earth all sorts of trouble because your eyes have dropped and now you're looking at yourselves, earth, and you're going to try and meet the need of earth through the earth's lens. And that's going to be so overwhelming because you're ended up trusting back on you. And when you start trusting on you, you insulate yourself and protect yourself just to meet your needs. See, there's no way you can meet the need of others if you're trying to protect you because all you're worried about is your need. And right there is the test. And right there is the challenge of trust. If you haven't yet come to know him to the measure where you're not living like that, you have to trust in him. It's very hard if you don't know him to trust him. But you have to step out and take a punt and let him actually show he is trustworthy Hence, he says, if you don't believe what I say, believe in the miracles. It's a real tension, eh? And it's on the other side is the life of the cross, which is Christ. He is the cross. Come to me. Don't come to a bit of wood. Come to the person. And you have life. 
You see, the problem with the disciples is they're eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So because you eat from the knowledge of the tree of good and evil, you think like the knowledge of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, which is logic and reason. We don't have enough to meet the need. In other scriptures, they were going to send them away, weren't they? Oh, I know how we're going to fix this. See ya. <laughs> you know, about 10K over that way, you might find a dairy. Good luck. You see, when you eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, which we're supposed to be set free from, it doesn't produce life. So you can't see as he sees, you can't hear as he hears. So the natural outcome from that tree is death. So they're speaking words of death. We don't have enough, even though we've got a little. It's not enough. Jesus says, boys, sit down. We've got plenty. See, Jesus is eating from the tree of life because he is the tree of life, isn't he? Do you know what you get from the tree of life? Yeah. Revelation causes life. Okay? So when you get revelation of who? The Father. We've got enough. Sit down, Mom. We're sweet. He's not worrying. He's not sweet. Why? Because you're partaking of Christ, which means you have the revelation of Christ, which means you have Christ's revelation, and you know how capable your Father is. You know where you're from, your Father, the authority, and what's possible in that kingdom. So when you take a nice cheese scone, and you go, oh my goodness, uh, hold on a minute, how many we got here today, a couple of hundred, I don't know, this isn't going to go around, sorry, <laughs> that was yum, mm. now it's, I'm going to need water, <laughs> this is not enough. Debbie, how many of these do we make? Because it's not enough. One's not enough. Uh-oh, well, you're going hungry. Cheers. But when you're from the other realm, living on earth, you have a scone, and you go, Father, under the kingdom of the world, this will feed, I don't know, well, it'll appetite three people. If we bloke it up a little bit, we're going to a little bit. It would feed probably one small person. Certainly wouldn't fill me. <laughs> but under the kingdom of the world, this is going to one, two, maybe. But if I transition it over here and I place it under the kingdom of God, which is on the earth, which you're the king of, and I give it to you, you can feed the multitude. So all he does is his father, bless it, thank you. It's not even this long-winded prayer. And what happens? They've got leftovers. Twelve baskets of leftovers. It says everyone had their fill. Because one man with the mind of his father knew what was possible. 
I love that Jesus prays this prayer in John. He says, I pray, Father, you will keep them in my name. He says, I'm going. I have kept them in your name, the disciples, while I was with them. I'm leaving. And I pray that you will keep them in the name you have given me. You know, that's one of the roles of the Holy Spirit is to keep us in exact alignment to Christ. Why? So we will live like Christ and not step either side of Highway 50 on that side, Highway 49 on that side, but State Highway 1. And if he leaves them here, everyone's missing out, aren't they? The disciples are never going to get to see what's possible. They never get to realize what they've been invited into. The masses don't get their fill. Who knows, people might have died trying to get home through starvation, I don't know. But all I know is there's a lot of loss and people miss out on the opportunity to enter in because they were doing it their way. And I love the fact that God uses a young boy and the young boy brings a seed. And God has given us seed to sow. And the young boy sows the seed. Why? Because he knows something. I don't know how old he is. doesn't say. So he takes his seed and he surrenders it to his Lord under the kingdom of heaven. And God says, well done, son. You see, God can do anything from nothing, can't he? He can take nothing and make something. And he does do that. But then he says, no, no, I've given my people seed. I expect you to work with me. I have an expectation that I'm giving it to you and I'm entrusting you with it. Not that you would hold on to it, that you would release it because I want to be in partnership with you. I want you to learn and grow and experience things in my realm so I get glorified. Not just for you, it's for my glorification, what you would learn through it, but ultimately your life would glorify me. So I've given my church seed to be sown in this area. It's just one area, but in this area of giving. So what are you doing with his seed? And you understand why the Bible talks about, you know, we talk about robbing God? Because it's not our seed, it's His. I did not come up with the idea of me. Everything that's in me is His and Him that is of worth. And so He says, Greg, I want to release you from you. Give, and I just want to read you this passage about God. And this is in Psalms. This is how big he is. Do you think he really needs us? But do you think he wants to be partnering with us? So he doesn't need anything from us, does he, really? But at the same time, he has almost brought himself down to our level and go, well, here's what I'm looking for from you to, to see happen in, in my kingdom. 
So as much as he doesn't need us, he actually comes down and says, I want to partner with you. So it's that dual position because at times God won't move because he says, no, I've given you the authority. I've given you the giftings. I've given you the ability to bind and loosen and I want you to move. I've given you the ability to sow. I've given you the ability to see that need met. He can meet the need, but more often than not, I find he actually doesn't. He waits for the purpose of our growth, our transformation. Psalm 65 Verse 9, you visit the earth and cause it to overflow. You greatly enrich it. The stream of God is full of water. You prepare their grain, for thus you prepare the earth. You water its furrows abundantly. You settle its ridges. You soften it with showers. You bless its growth. You have crowned the year with your bounty and your paths drip with fatness. The pastures of the wilderness drip and the hills gird themselves with rejoicing. The meadows are clothed with flocks and the valleys are covered with grain. They shout for joy. Yes, they sing. Powerful. Powerful stuff. Our Father is affluent. His kingdom is affluent. And the challenge for you and I, and I'm going to talk about this at the end of the month, so it's a bit of a part two message, is do we live from this place of affluence? See, Christ in me is affluent. There's no lack. So he wants to bring me into the realization of just how affluent Christ is in me, that I would operate from that affluence because that's his nature. And what I'm going to talk about in a few weeks is not to insulate yourself with your affluence, but to influence with your affluence. They're two different positions. And I hope we're like the young boy. And this is what I wrote down. A singular act of obedience releases a multitude of abundance. In God, when God leads it, a singular act of obedience, the young boy, it was a singular act of obedience, released a multitude of abundance. That doesn't mean that all the needs of the world are going to be met. But for what God wants to meet through us, this is what he's asking for. This is what he's looking for. He said to Peter, throw the net on the other side of the boat. Amen. He said, Peter, they're asking me about tax. What I want you to do, I want you to go and I want you to, with a fishing line, throw it into water. And the first one you catch is going to have a coin in its mouth. Is that the way they fished? Is that, that's what I imagine. It's like, no, bro, we use nets. Peter, I want you to go down to the water with a line, and I want you to throw the line in. We 
we use nets. Peter, I want you to go down to the water with a line and catch the fish and the first fish. Okay. Oh, you're joking. Look at that. I learned something new today. You see, a single act of obedience when it doesn't make sense, when it's not logical, when it's not reasonable, because you've always done it this way and opens up a realm to you that you're now living in, knowing you've got a knowledge of God, a trust in God. My goodness. That's about revelation, not reason. So the greater the revelation I have, the greater the sight, the greater the faith, sure, no problem. How much do you want? You see, in this form, and I don't say any of this to make anyone feel guilty, but I do want to make us aware. Because on the back of the form, it gives you an indication of the money that's given here. And really the percentage of people that are actually giving that money. And you'll see the figures of 686,512.82 cents. Very important. God's into numbers. <laughs> and if you look at that, you can see that there are 19 families that are giving $280,000. So out of a church of about 250 people, 300 on the sort of the, our database. 208, there's 19 families give $280,000 towards 686. You have 34 families giving 241,000. So the majority of the money given here is made up of 53 families out of 250, 300 families. Now, we take it back to our natural family. Would that be a reality in our natural family? Maybe. I don't know. But what is that saying? And there's an opportunity for us to come into, isn't it? Mm -hmm. This isn't there to make you feel guilty. It's there to create a conviction. And maybe you to ask some questions around family connection here. And are you part of a family or have you just come into services? See what I mean? Is, are we here for what we can get? Or are we here for what we can give? Remember I started with signs and wonders are good. Are you here just to hear the word because you like the word? Are you here for the music because you like the music? Are you here for the Lord to touch you? Or are you here to lay your life down to see his will established here, firstly, in us as a church? So you have to ask these questions because God is watching and God is looking and he's expecting something because the church he talks about and sometimes the church that is are quite different things. And we have an individualistic approach to this. It's all about me and you, God. Or you have a body. It's all about you, God, me, and the body. And I am heavily infused and interdependent on my spiritual family. They're not just people that I sit next to and don't really know or care about or whatever. No, I'm connected even though I don't really know Angela that well. We're getting to know each other. Grab my hand. We're connected. Chris, last night, I love what he did. It's there. 
So I talked this in Cambodia, and I said, you know, guys, I said, you receive over $100,000 from the rock. So out of 600, 100 grand goes overseas. Because I was talking to them about giving. Because, you know, there's a poverty mindset there. Not enough, never enough, never enough. But there's a bountiful enough. Same God in Cambodia, same God here. I understand issues though. But I was talking to them, I said, you know, I said, if, if the people at the rock stop tithing that are giving that 100 grand, you don't have any money. And they're like, I said, do you think like that? Now, God's God and God can provide, but he's using the people at the same time. See, this is this tension, isn't it? Well, here's the thing. If 53 people stopped giving, we wouldn't be here today. So it's the same thing, isn't it? And once again, this is just one aspect of falling in love, but it tends to be one that we hold back in. And I just want to make you aware of where we're at. And I ask you to seriously seek God because as I said, part of being in his will is doing his will. If you don't just hear it, you've got to do it. And like he said, my mum and dad, it ain't you, Mary. It ain't you guys. It's those that do the will of my father. Now they became those people that did the will of the Father, didn't they? And so I want to encourage you, I just want to thank everyone that is giving. I want to thank you that this, I know that throughout the years this church has given out millions of dollars and we'll continue to pour out and it's really cool because I love the fact that we eat from the tree of life because the figures don't even add up. We've given more money away over the years, it's, it's just growing. More and more, we're giving more money away here and overseas. And although the figures have dropped, more's going out. It doesn't make sense. Nah, it's not logical. It's revelation. But I know there's a big gap that God wants to see filled and poured out. Well, I need more money for Cambodia. I'd love to give Vanda more money for his salary. And I know it's sitting in front of me. So I ask you to really consider what the Holy Spirit might be saying and let it go and let him for the purpose of your own transformation. Okay. So Father, I thank you that you are a God of abundance. I thank you that you are doing and wanting to bring us into this overwhelming life in you to see multitudes of our own needs met and the needs of those around us. I thank you, Father, it is more blessed to give than receive. I thank you that's the heartbeat of your Father. I thank you that's the heartbeat of the Son and of the Spirit. It's the heartbeat of sons because you're making us into the image of the Son. So Lord, just continue to pour your resource in and through us that we can be used as vehicle as vessels to see your kingdom established in and through us. In Jesus' name, amen.